0: Would you pray with me? O oh God, may the words that I speak and the thoughts that we think be acceptable to you. For you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. In her book of blessings called Circle of Grace, author Jan Richardson writes this, Look, the world is always ending somewhere. Somewhere the sun has come crashing down. Somewhere it has gone completely dark. Somewhere it has ended with the gun, the knife, the fist. Somewhere it has ended with the slammed door, the shattered hope. Somewhere it has ended with the utter quiet that follows the news from the phone, the television, the hospital room. Somewhere it has ended with a tenderness that will break your heart. And here we are. It is Good Friday, and the world is ending. As we have journeyed through this week, we have witnessed Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. We have seen him share one last meal with his friends and wash their feet. And now, now his friends have disappointed him. They have betrayed him. They have denied him. And now he is gone. It is Good Friday, and the world is ending. This experience of the world ending is not new to us, of course. For many of us, this is not our first Good Friday. And even if it is, we are all too familiar with the feelings that this day can evoke. In fact, for the past 13 months, we have had one scary, tragic, or life-altering experience after another. As if weather events and a bombing here in Nashville weren't enough, we've been living through dual pandemics of COVID-19 and racism. And now we've seen our third shooting here in the United States in the same number of weeks. It has been a season of losses a season of grief, no matter who you are. More than one person has pointed out that it feels like Lent began in 2020, and it never went away. We've been living through a year of Lent. I think that there's an inclination for some of us, myself included, to want to move past all of that pain and suffering, all of that collective and personal grief Can't we just be done with this pandemic already, all of the restrictions and the distancing? Can't we just be done with all of the hatred and conflict in our country? Can't we just not be featured on the Weather Channel one more time? We are so very tired of the world ending. We've had enough. Can't we just skip over this sad and depressing day and get on with Easter? Sometimes that might be the best thing for us to do. It might be the best thing for our mental health to do whatever we need to do, not to get bogged down in the many ways that the world is ending. To take a break from all the bad news for just a little while and find some peace and joy wherever we can. You know, There is a reason why Sundays aren't included in the 40 days of Lent. For those of us who choose to give something up for Lent, it's always chocolate for me, Sundays don't count. Sundays are meant to be a mini Easter. So we're free to enjoy that chocolate or whatever it is on Sundays. Our Sabbath days are intended to offer us a break in every sense of the word. And yet, not every day can be Easter. At some point, we can't ignore the reality of what is going on around us. At some point, we need to name the myriad of losses that we have experienced. We need to make space for our feelings, for the anger, the confusion, the sadness, or whatever else comes up for us. A while back I was talking with a woman who had lost her spouse. She described the experience of having this flurry of activity and lots of attention immediately after her loved one's death. People showed up. They brought food. They told stories, and they laughed, and they cried together. But then they left. They went home. They went back to their normal, everyday lives, and this woman was left feeling alone in her grief. Her world had ended, and as much as she wanted to, she couldn't just get over it and move on a few days later. It was so frustrating, she said, because on the one hand, she did want to get over it. She didn't want to be defined by this grief that had shaped her life. She didn't want that to be her story. And yet, as much as she would have liked to skip over that season of her life, she found that the more she acknowledged and made space for the grief, the better she felt in the end. And actually, the more connected she felt to her spouse. About a month ago, I came across a piece by A.C. Shilton in the New York Times. It was titled, There is No Vaccine for Grief. Shilton tells the story of David Kessler, who is a grief expert. After his 21 year old son died suddenly in 2016, Mr. Kessler was watching a documentary on buffaloes. The documentary noted that buffaloes run straight into oncoming storms. Because they run into the storm, Kessler noted, they minimize the time they are in the discomfort. We live in a society that minimizes grief, he says. Unlike the buffalo, we try to stay a mile ahead of it, but it's always there, chasing behind us. Shilton says that we should consider instead being willing to run in the rain. Perhaps that is one of the gifts of Good Friday. Perhaps that's one of the invitations for us on this day. That on this day of all days, we don't have to just get over it in fact on this day we are called to run in the rain we are called to run into the storm we are called to walk toward the cross with all of our sorrow all of our guilt and shame all of our frustrations all of our human emotion and human frailty this is the day when everything is laid bare. In a reflection on Holy Week, Reverend Anna Bladel writes, On Good Friday, Jesus is crucified by empire, executed by the state. Jesus is killed by a system and a people unwilling and unable to sit with pain and discomfort. Discomfort. How tempting it is, too, for us to rush to fix or resolve or numb our pain, pretend away our discomfort, rather than learning to bear with it, to bear witness to it. Bladel goes on to say that redemption is encountered in remaining with death in a way that honors both life and loss, gift and grief, fear and wonder, no easy answers, no quick fixes, no superficial platitudes. God meets us in deep, complicated, and messy ways. God dwells in deep, complicated, messy places. In other words, God is in the midst of the storm. And when the world is ending, God is there. I think that's why I'm drawn to John's telling of this story. Now, I need to name that the Gospel of John is problematic. John portrays the Jewish people as the perpetrators of Jesus' death. And that has been used to justify and perpetuate anti-Semitism throughout Christian history and even to this day among well-meaning Christians. But John does tell this story in a particular way that I think speaks to our collective and individual pain and grief, and I think that it can be helpful for us in this season. You see, of all the other Gospels, in all of the other Gospels, a group of women stands at a distance from the cross— They witness Jesus' death, but they witness it from afar. But in John's telling, these women, Jesus' mother and his aunt Mary, the mother of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene, along with the beloved disciple, they have all drawn near to the cross. They have run into the storm. There is no skipping over this tragedy for them. There is no holding it at arm's length. Their world is ending, and they are as close to Jesus as they can be, bearing witness to the horrors of a cross and experiencing the pain of it all. I can't imagine their discomfort in all of that, their sorrow and their anguish. And yet, by their willingness to draw near, to run into the storm to sit in the pain and discomfort of Jesus' death, these faithful people demonstrate the power of bearing witness. They show us the gifts that can come from making space for our pain. You see, because they've drawn near to the cross, they are close enough to hear Jesus speaking. They are close enough to hear him say to his mother, woman, Here is your son. They're close enough to hear him say to the beloved disciple, Here is your mother. Because they have drawn near, they receive the blessing of Jesus' presence, and they witness the creation of a new family. One commentator has pointed out that in creating this new family, Jesus sows the seeds of a new community to come. A new community in which family is not defined by blood kin, but by loving relationship. A community in which all members of the family care for one another. In his dying, Jesus gives them the gift of community. And in their grief, the disciples are given the gift of a love that perseveres, even through death. I recently finished reading Kristen Hanna's new novel, The Four Winds. It's the story of a family living on a farm in the panhandle of Texas during the Dust Bowl, and it recounts their struggles for survival. I won't give away too much if you haven't read it, but I will say that at one point, One of the characters is dying, and they lament all that might have been. They grieve for the life they will not live, but they also realize that long after they are gone, the love they shared will remain. Love remains, they say. Love is what remains. Friends, it is Good Friday, and the world is ending. We need to name it, and we need to hold space for it. But we don't need to despair, because love perseveres. Love abides. Love remains. The love that created this world, the love that hung on a cross, That is the same love that gives us the courage to run into the storm, to make space for all of the pain and grief and devastation of this world. And that love gathers us in at the foot of the cross and forms us into a new community. That love is the seed that will persevere, even through death, and will blossom into new life. Yes, the world may be ending, but thanks be to God, love remains. Amen.